Today's episode is sponsored by Ronin Design and Manufacturing on Broad Avenue. Ronin is excited to announce a free tattoo service for women who've undergone a mastectomy. Every month, they'll be selecting one woman to come in and meet with their professional and experienced staff to discuss and complete a tattoo. If you, a friend, a family member, or a co-worker would like to participate in this program, email them at roninmemphis at gmail.com. That's R-O-N-I-N Memphis at gmail.com. Or contact them on Facebook, facebook.com slash Manufacturing. The OAMnetwork.com. Power to the podcast. Uh, this is not my game. I, I learned about this when I was in junior high. Uh, I was watching John Stewart's old show on MTV where he had these two guys who uh, were thinking of the series of si- the theory of six degrees of separation, where any person can be connected to any other person on the planet through six people or less. And uh, they were thinking about that, watching Footloose, and decided they thought that the same was true within the entertainment community where anybody can be connected to Kevin Bacon by six steps or less. Mm-hmm. And since that time, this is maybe 20-some years I've been doing this, uh, doing this helps me with anxiety. Like if I'm ever, if I feel a panic attack coming on or if I'm really just stressed out about something, doing this helps calm me down. Uh, so just give me any actor. Uh, Cary Grant. Cary Grant was in Houseboat with Sophia Loren, who was in Grumpier Old Men with Walter Matthau and Jack Lemmon, both of which were in JFK with Kevin Bacon. Oh, wow. That's pretty impressive. Um, let's see. Leslie Nielsen. Leslie Nielsen was in Naked Gun 33 and a third with Fred Ward, who was in Tremors with Kevin Bacon. Jesus. <laughs> One more. Uh, Ingrid Bergman. Oh, that's Ingrid difficult. Ingrid Bergman, let's see. I mean, he was a, he was a director. So we'll start no, with a... F- no, uh, no, uh, the... Oh, Ingrid. Uh, Ingrid. I, I'm sorry, I was thinking of Igmar Bergman. Uh, well, Ingrid Bergman was, uh, was in... The original Sabrina with Cary Grant. Okay. That just adds another step. Okay. Damn. Um, Wait, who you got, Hunter? Gerard Depardieu. God, Gerard Depardieu. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Gerard Depardieu was in Green Card with Andy McDowell, who was in St. Elmo's Fire with Demi Moore, who was in A Few Good Men with Kevin Bacon. That is astounding. How the... <laughs> it was fun doing that, like, in front of a crowd. That's insane. Like I could, I could see a couple people in that crowd like getting jealous. Like, well, I want to be autistic too. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Doctor Heckle, the science communication podcast. That since '98, we grabbed our plate up off the table. I told Mama I'm thugging outside. We don't need cable. On today's episode, slowing down the aging process, a multi-action drug for lung cancer, and how many Democratic state reps you can fit in a Prius. Welcome to Dr. Heckle, the science communication show that is slightly less controversial than VAR in the World Cup. With me on the show today, with a bachelor's in history from the University of Memphis, candidate for Tennessee State State uh, House, Alan Creasy. Very, very good to be here. Thank you so welcome, much. Welcome to the show. And with a partially completed writing and directing certificate from Watkins College of Art and Design in Nashville, comedian Charlie McMullen. Welcome back to the show. Thank you very much, Mark. How's it, how's it going? It's going very well. You were, uh, you were of course, our first ever guest. That's right. Am, and, I, am I your first repeat guest? Uh, you're actually the second repeat guest. Ah. There was uh, James Doyle from uh, 
Iowa. Des Moines, yeah. Iowa. He was the first repeat guest. But you were the first repeat Memphis guest, so congratulations yeah. to you. I can't compete with Des Moines. <laughs> Within your own pool, you are competing. Now, uh, tell us uh, what's been going on with you comedically since we last spoke. Uh, since we last spoke, you and I... Uh... No, no, I mean since we last spoke in the canon narrative of the podcast, so no. since the past six months. Well, I was, uh, <laughs> was going to say you and I uh, helped write, shoot, and, uh, and release uh, episode three of Stand Up Guys, yeah, which a, is currently in rotation on funnierdie.com. A small uh, sitcom pilot that we produced with uh, Sammy Anzer. Uh, that's right. Shout out to Sammy Anzer. That was a good time. Uh, comedically, though, just the Altercation Festival in September. I'm going to be performing on that. And that's in Austin, Texas, right? That is uh, correct. Austin, Texas. Next week, I'm going to be going home to Colorado Springs. I'm featuring at Looney's Comedy Corner. Mo Alexander is headlining. You still travel around with that with that guy? How is it going? It's uh, it's going okay. Uh, we've been having like marital tiffs. I wouldn't say marital tiffs. Just uh, two really good shows for every complete bag of shit. Okay, and so that's two good shows, <laughs> one bad show. Yeah. Or yeah, like, for the past couple of months, uh, the, the record has been spotty. There was a show in Atlanta that did not happen, but we won't. We don't have to get into that. I would like to hear one, why one particular show was terrible, if you don't mind. Okay. Uh, all right, I'm not going to tell you about that Atlanta show, because I've already named him by name. Uh, and that one would be... Yeah, they would know who... That it, would be, yeah, that would be <laughs> defaming. But, uh, well, I don't know. Uh I won't, I won't name names, but last time we were in Colorado, there was a venue who uh, the booker had like a big, important argument with the owner of the venue uh, a couple of days before the show, so there was uh, not as much money as was agreed upon, uh, but they were friends of mine, so I couldn't really get upset. It was a very frustrating experience, but it was also on April 20th, so I was baked out of my ass, so, <laughs> uh, so I took it very well, I think. <laughs> Despite the lack of monetary, right? It, it was still a good time. There's something good about every show, you know that. Otherwise, why would we? Why would you even, do it? Even bother? Yeah. Well, uh, thank you for updating us. But we're going to move on to our actual guest. Please do. <laughs> that would be wonderful. The comedian, <laughs> the comedians, they're always here, but I never treat them with any respect. <laughs> Nor should you. Uh, Alan, well, you know, welcome to the show. I'm very, very glad to be here. Thank you. You are uh, running for a seat in the um, in the state house, uh, the part of which uh, is within the borders of Memphis, right in Bartlett. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a little bit of Bartlett by uh, maybe Oak Court Mall. Uh, I've got White Station uh, Middle School, White Station High School in my district. Uh, then it goes up into Eastern Berkeley, where I live. Uh, then. Uh, uh, past Summer Avenue, past the drive-in, past the the putt-putt, uh, which incidentally I spent my ninth, twelfth, and thirty-seventh birthdays. Oh man, what was what was the big gap? What was the deal with between twelve and thirty-seven? That's a good uh, oh, okay. twenty-five years, a quarter of a century. You ignored well, that putt-putt. I, I did not. I did. It was always there, always there in my heart. Um, I just uh, you know, there's a certain point when you get back to the age where. The heck with everything. You, I, I like, I like doing putt putt. 
So there's nothing controversial about that. Absolutely. I, I fancy myself the Don Quixote of mini golf. Fuck windmills, am I right? <laughs> she gotta tilt them so uh, to such a degree they finally fall over. But only halfway because they're Dutch. <laughs> ah, yes. So, um, first of all, I would like to ask, uh, what inspired you to run for this position? Uh, it's typically been, uh, unop- there's been an unopposed member of the Tennessee, Tennessee House from this district. Why did you feel that you were going to uh, mount an opposition? Um, well, I mean, you know, uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm, I normally, uh, when I do my, my, my day job or my night job, is restaurant management and, and bartending. I know, because I work in the kitchen. Yes, he does. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, one of the stereotypes, one of the things you really know about bartenders is, is our job to listen and to serve. And um, I've been doing that for so many years. And, uh, one of the, you know, when you listen to people as a bartender, sometimes it's, it's a, you know, complaints about a boyfriend or an ex-girlfriend or, you know, some mundane things. But, you know, oftentimes it's, it's someone complaining because they can afford health care. Or um, that their public school isn't up to the standards they'd like to have it. Or that they made a mistake and took a, a loan out from a predatory lender. Um, and it just inspired me to get out there. And, and, for, and at first, I was, just volu- I was volunteering for other candidates. And uh, over the last four years, I've knocked on 7,000 doors for other candidates um, in Memphis and Shelby County. And... Now I'm having those conversations with with my neighbors, and it's uh, it's uh, it's it's really interesting. It's really exciting. That's great. Uh, and so, given the uh, given the I guess current uh, climate within Memphis politics, and maybe perhaps national politics, do you have any particular legislative uh, priorities? Were you to be elected come uh, November? Um, so first and foremost, I think it's it's absolutely most important. Um, our current state legislature has voted both under the Obama administration and the Trump administration not to accept uh, federal subsidies uh, to expand Medicaid. Um, not doing so has, mean, has means that every time Tennesseans uh, pay their federal taxes, we're not actually receiving the benefits for all of our taxes that we, that we pay. Uh, we're subsidizing better health care for folks in other states. Uh, it also means that... Um, on average, every person in Tennessee pays about 9% more in monthly health insurance premiums um, uh, than... Uh, but they don't turn their ringers off, do they? <laughs> no, they don't. Uh, but they spend about 9% more in monthly health insurance premiums than states who accepted those Medicaid expansions. Uh, and it also means that uh, 10 rural hospitals uh, have shut down across the state of Tennessee since 2010. And honestly, that's the most important thing for me because, you know... I can't imagine, you know, living in some, some, some a county where you're 45 minutes away from the nearest hospital, and I really worry that folks are going to die because they can't get to a hospital quickly enough uh, here in the state. Yeah, that's a, that's a huge problem, and, and you know, uh, money is often funneled towards the cities at the expense of rural hospitals uh, or, ru- you know, rural areas, and if you're... Um, if you're on a tighter budget than you were before, you know, it's likely that those services in those rural areas are going to be the first to go. Um, now, with regards to Medicaid expansion, uh, Mason-Dixon polling, polling research s- s- shows that uh, 63% of Tennessee residents actually support this expansion. So this is not a, this is not a dividing line issue. 
No, 63% support, only 21 oppose, uh, and 16 are undecided from the latest polling research uh, across the... This is statewide. I'm mm-hmm. not sure particularly for the district that you're representing, but I imagine it's similar. It's it's very similar, and, uh, you know, the, the I believe the only reason why uh, originally someone would vote uh, against uh, accepting federal subsidies for Medicaid expansion was uh, to be incredibly, you know, partisan. Unfortunately, my opponent um, uh, voted that way. But we're under a completely different um, administration now. And how someone can, can continue to uh, vote to not accept money given to us by the federal government is, is, is beyond me. Um, and then definitely one of the most important reasons why I'm running for office. And yeah, it's considerable. It's a considerable waste. Well, uh, Char- I, can't, I can't say I've never voted out of spite. <laughs> Nader, two thousand. <laughs> oh, he's that guy. <laughs> Revealing your age, I'm afraid. Yeah. <laughs> you uh, still votes correctly with and with spite. Um, yeah, it's, you don't have to remove the spite from your heart. To it's vote. as good a motivation. It does help. <laughs> as um, any. Charlie, do you uh, do you have worries about? Uh, your access to healthcare because you're a comedian. That's typically not necessarily a reliable income job. That's correct. It's not a it's not a steady income. So it would be reassuring to know that if you do have to go to the emergency room, that you would be able to without having to. Uh, well, I'm not going to say use a fake name because what kind of criminal scum would do that? But <laughs> uh, so it is it is kind of a concern, but it's also not personally a concern just because I don't go to doctors a whole lot. You just live with your problems? Yeah. I mean, you were there. The uh, This is technically my third appearance on the show because the live episode. Oh, yeah. We were talking to that, uh, that uh, bio uh, engineer. Yeah. Uh, uh, biogenic engineer. And uh, I, I said to him, my plan is to one day catch a disease and then die from that disease. Change my mind. And he couldn't, <laughs> <laughs> and he couldn't really do it. Uh, that's kind of my philosophical view on, on healthcare. Is uh, I don't know. Like everybody wants to live as long as they can, but what are you doing? With you know it? how some people uh, adopt the paleo diet. Mm-hmm. I think Charlie, what you're describing there is a paleo, paleo healthcare. healthcare. Yeah, you, you're just going to wait and see what is out there. Yeah, and then succumb. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's horribly irresponsible. Uh, I'm I'm 38. I have no idea what kind of health I'm actually in. I have nothing to compare it to at this point. I haven't been to a doctor in about 20 years. <laughs> the OAMnetwork.com. All original podcasts released weekly in Memphis, Tennessee. Just wanted to remind you again that today's episode is brought to you by Ronin Design and Manufacturing on Broad Avenue. Ronin is excited to announce a free tattoo service for women who've undergone a mastectomy. Every month, they'll be selecting one woman to come in and meet with their professional and experienced staff to discuss and complete a tattoo. If you, a friend, a family member, or a co-worker would like to participate in this program, email them at roninmemphis at gmail.com. That's R-O-N-I-N Memphis at gmail.com. Or contact them on Facebook, facebook.com slash Manufacturing. Let OM help you get the word out on your service, product, or endeavor. Email info at theoamnetwork.com. Welcome back to the Dr. Heckle podcast. We move on to our news item for the week. Today's article comes from Financial Express. 
an Indian newspaper with a readership of about 1.5 million. The title of the article is This Harvard Startup is Helping Dogs Get Younger with Its Age-Reversing Gene Therapy. Humans Next? Question mark. What do you think about that from the title alone? Um, well, that's an important question mark because if not Humans Next, if they're just trying to make dogs live longer, what the fuck are they doing? <laughs> I mean, I, I, would, I would actually enjoy if, if, I, if I got a, a dog and, and, and I wouldn't have to, you know, Replace like, the look, dog. You know, 12, <laughs> right. 12, 13, 14 years from now. I think that's important. Important uh, <laughs> navigation of science is ensuring that our pets live longer. It's a, it, a huge industry, actually. Te- um, you know, the pet industry is a multi-billion dollar Right. Uh, Why? I just, I just hope it wasn't someone who woke up one day and was like, how can I contribute in my own small way to the homeless pet population in, in the country? <laughs> how can I make, make that number grow a little bit? <laughs> So uh, this is Rejuvenate Bio, the company behind this innovation. Uh, supposedly, this, the article says they tested its therapy on a beagle dog breed and is now claiming that the therapy will make them younger by adding new DNA instructions to their genes. Now, um, this company, Rejuvenate, is something that has spun out of a guy called George Church's lab. So George Church is a Harvard geneticist. And he has been involved in the uh, formation of about 22 companies. But he's, he's been involved in over 80 companies that have spun out of his Harvard academic lab. And Rejuvenate Bio is one that has come from one of its postdocs mm-hmm. uh, recently. Now, uh, in a recent podcast with uh, a guy called Rob Reed, he talked about a whole range of different issues with regards to the future of genomics. He was, George Church was involved in the uh, advent of genomics, the, uh, genomic uh, science. The ethical implications? Uh, le- I would say less on the less on the ethical standpoint. He is a geneticist by trade. He obviously works with ethicists. Okay. But uh, he was involved in basically what led to eventually the Human Genome Project and is now uh, very focused on developing, you know, Lots of kind of harebrained genetic uh, projects. He's trying to bring back the woolly mammoth. Is one of his uh, one of his. Uh, I think I've already projects. seen this movie. It was called Jurassic Park. Uh, yeah. Well, as far as I remember, things went pretty well during that movie. Yeah. Uh, nothing went really went wrong. Dinosaurs in the countryside. Kids impressed. The end. Uh, <laughs> Jeff Goldblum, you know, finding a new apartment. He was great. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Uh, but but this one particular company is supposed to be, uh, according to um, according to this article, trying to turn back the clock on the aging process. Now, do you know do you know what the aging process is? Uh, yes, nature. For? If I'm not mistaken, basically, basically, we talked a little bit about it in your first appearance. We we talked mm-hmm. about uh, you know the the idea that humans could maybe live to the age of 150, or that that was or that 115 was the limit. Uh, but aging is really the accumulation of senescence, senescent cells over time, cells that are no longer able to divide. Uh, and it's basically a gradual deterioration of fun- functional characteristics. So in across biological kingdoms, it's, it's argued that all biological life forms undergo this process of you know, accumulating senescent cells and effectively aging over time. Mm-hmm. So Rejuvenate Bio is, uh, is trying to stop fatal heart 
ailments in spaniels and Doberman pinchers, uh, amassing evidence that then uh, they can build upon for, for these human diseases. Now, this is not, these are genetic ailments. These are not necessarily involved in the norm, normal aging process. Fixing a genetic disease will not turn back any clocks mm. on age uh, on um, on the human population or on any population. Well, I mean, it's kind of a matter of just like intense observation. Like you, do, you, you look, you monitor the DNA of a young dog, uh, monitor the DNA of that dog years later, look at the difference, and reverse engineer progress. Not progress, but decomposition, I guess. I mean, I, I think it would be really obvious if you if you're succeeding, then share start singing in the background. If if you could turn back time, <laughs> and that is yeah. So basically, you cannot turn back time, mm -hmm. but what you can do is slow down right. processes that are already taking place. In fact, there are drugs that are already being tested in humans uh, for such purposes. Metformin, a diabetes drug, is actually shown to uh, shown compared to a uh, normal population, diabetics taking metformin live eight years longer than humans unaffected by diabetes. Wow. Uh, and so other drugs that which are being... Is, which is really unfair if you say it like that. <laughs> so people, so now metformin is being tested in certain doses on healthy 50-year-olds to try and slow down this aging process. Right. Um, rapamycin is another drug that's believed to do the same and has worked in mice and uh, is being tested in dogs actually and so when you're when you're moving through this uh talking about this subject you've got to be very careful because the work that this lab is doing and this company is doing is work that will that has been shown in mouse models to slow down the aging process uh and in fact uh in higher organisms like like dogs has been shown to do the same thing but it is not turning back the clock, and that's not actually what the company and the researchers involved are necessarily saying that it's doing. They're not saying that it's turning back the clock. In fact, uh, when MIT Technology Review, who also brought up this story, asked to speak to the founders involved about this, the, the founders didn't, didn't speak to them. All of this article has been drawn out of a very nuanced conversation that the geneticist George Church had with Rob Reed over the course of around about an hour. Mm. And it's been distilled down into articles that say they're trying to reverse aging, which is technically true, but there is no evidence to suggest that they've done so as of yet. They have not published papers saying that they have reversed any senescence or that they have lengthened telomeres to allow cells to go under more cell divisions. But it seems like that that's a that's a problem with a lot of reporting on science. It's 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 trying to get that really catchy you know headline and you know try to you know and, and the expectation is folks that aren't going to read the, the rest of the article. Too much reporting, not enough science. You know something like that. Yeah, that's and that's basically the, the case. Uh, one one big frustration is when uh, publications start talking about subjects. Uh, as if it is a news headline when a paper has not been published. Now, it's completely reasonable for George Church to go on a podcast and have a long conversation about the work he's in doing or what he envisages the future to be of uh, the way genetics and, bi and biology is going. It is not reasonable, however, for a news publication 
to take a sentence or two from that podcast and build a new story around it. And that is what the Financial Express of India has done. Fake news. And for that reason, you just beat me to it. We dub Financial Express fake news. <laughs> Have an idea for a podcast? Email info at theoamnetwork.com today and pitch your podcast. Welcome back to our final section where we move on to a journal article. I spout the science to our guests. They try and filter it through their brains and take in the important information. Today's article comes from the journal Science Translational Medicine. And uh, the first author is Herwig Moll. The anchor author is Emilio Casanova. And the- so you're going to tell me that somebody is named Herwig Moll and then expect <laughs> me to listen to anything else you say? <laughs> Well, the other name is Casanova, so this is going to be good science. Way to balance each other out. Absolutely. And the title of the article is called Afatinib Restrains KRAS-Driven Lung Tumorigenesis. Now, what do you pick up from the title alone? In the beginning, God created... uh, uh, No, that's what I get from Genesis. From tumorigenesis, though. Tumorigenesis, so... Something about cancer? Or? Fle- Fle- so you're Fleshy thinking in tumors. the beginning, the beginning, the beginnings of cancer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, lung cancer is the subject of this paper. Okay. Now, uh, Charlie, do you you still smoke the? Uh, Go on. Devil's tobacco. <laughs> I do. Yes. Okay. So you were the- in theory at some point in the future at risk of lung cancer. We'd hope you wouldn't get it, but you were in theory at risk. Right. Of such a thing. I'm at much higher risk than the average person. It is, in fact, the biggest cancer killer in men and women. Uh, less than tw- And this is because less than 20% pac- of patients survive five years post-diagnosis. Uh, it's, a, it's a huge killer. And among that, lung adenocarcinomas are the largest subtype of uh, the non-small cell lung cancers. And there are two key activating mutations, two subtypes, let's say. Uh, KRAS is one, and EGFR is another. Now, KRAS is a protein that controls the division of cells. Okay. So that makes a lot of sense. Uh, and EGFR is, uh, stands for epidermal growth factor receptor. This is something called a tyrosine kinase. And what it does is basically interacts, uh, interacts with a lot of other, uh, Proteins and things to adding to adding this phosphate group, influ- it basically influencing the activity of uh, other genes, a lot of other genes and proteins. So you've got these two main types of, of uh, lung cancer. The EGFR lung cancers, uh, there are a number of drugs that are used to treat them. So elotinib, gefitinib, and afitinib are uh, um, three of those drugs. Now, uh, there's the risk with those drugs, those uh, tyrosine kinase inhibitors of res- resistance developing mm-hmm. uh, in these EGFR cancers. So even though there is treatments, the survival is still very bad. However, there are no drugs on the market that target KRAS directly in KRAS cancers. So these proteins, they're thought to be independent of each other, but, you know, they're and it's thought that this KRAS protein in the KRAS-mutated cancers are cons- constantly active. So this is a constantly signaling for, pro- for proliferation of cells. 
So KRAS is mutated. It's constantly active. Cells constantly dividing. Uh, so what this group actually wanted to do was look specifically at these KRAS cancers and see what else is uh, highly, what else is up, what else is down, what is being affected, basically. So they looked in these tumor tissues of these KRAS active cancers, these mutated cancers, and saw that actually these, these EGFR protein levels, so this other type, it was thought to be another subtype, we'd say, where EGFR is mutated. EGFR is playing a role in the KRAS cancers as well. So KRAS mutated, constantly active. EGFR protein levels, so protein 2, mm -hmm. so protein 1, constantly active, protein 2, EGFR, the levels are higher in the lung tumor tissue than in the non-malignant lung tissue. So first finding. They then show the other proteins involved in that EGFR pathway, so this pro protein 2, that pathway, they're also present at a higher level. That pathway is called ERBB. Okay, so you've got active protein 1, protein 2 that's not thought to be involved. Actually, that's up as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and then all of the stuff that comes downstream of this other protein, that is also up. Okay. Okay. So then, because that stuff was up, they thought, well, what would happen if we deleted this other protein? So KRAS mm -hmm. turned on, EGFR, it's up. What happens if we turn that off, let's say, like in, a, in an artificial manner? So you can develop things to specifically in your tumor, ca in your cancer cell line model or whatever to knock, knock this out. You, you can delete the function of that protein. And what they found is if they deleted this other protein, EGFR, from the tumors, it extended the lifespan of the mice where these tumors have been transplanted into mm. or, it, or these tumors have been um, induced. So from a median of 172.5 days post-tumor induction, they survived. Uh, the, the deleted, the double deleted um, mice survived 238 days. So an extra 60 days on that when both copies of this EGFR were deleted, despite the fact that it was thought that this KRAS was constantly active. Now, a survival benefit was also seen in a combination model where uh, they tried to make it a bit more like the human tumor they uh, deleted a tumor suppressor called P53 and then also deleted this other protein. So it's in, it's in multiple models that they're using that this seems to be working. And in cancer cell lines that they'd manipulated to remove this EGFR, this protein 2, uh, they grew slower than those with just, uh, just the mutation alone. So at this point, uh, they can say KRAS cancer... Protein 1 cancer relies on this protein 2, this EGFR. Are you okay so far? Um, um, I'm, I'm getting most of it, yeah. Okay. So they did some uh, this technique called RNA sequencing. And basically, again, they, they saw that in cells where they knocked out this EGFR, that pathway that was also up, the activity was reduced. So the activity of that pathway has gone down, the ERBB, so the pathway from protein 2. So they've shown that these two things are intertwined. That's the first part of their study. 
The second part of this study basically uh, posits that you can inhibit this EGFR, this protein 2, and have a beneficial effect. So we have the known inhibitors for this protein based on that other subtype of, of the cancer. And so they treated uh, these KRAS cancers with those inhibitors. Now, two of those inhibitors that they used worked, but it was a fairly high concentration that it took of this drug for them to work in uh, inhibiting this cancer. Afatinib, however, which is a drug that you know what still works on those EGFR tumors and in fact is uh, more of a new era drug, it was developed more recently. That worked at a low concentration. You you had to give a low. You could only you could give a low concentration of this drug, this afatinib, and inhibit the KRAS cancer, even though it's not targeting the KRAS protein itself. So would it only? You could only give a uh, a low concentration of. No, no, no. So you if you give a higher concentration, obviously uh, you get more killing. But um, the the amount of drug required to kill fifty percent of the cells. Uh, was much lower with afatinib than it was with these other drugs. Now, if you add, if you add, you know, if you add a saturating amount of almost any drug, you you can kill cells. Right. But uh, when they're developing like the, uh, it's called IC50. When you're working out what concentration can kill 50% of the tumor cells. Uh, now, is that is that important because the 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 the, le- the, the smaller concentration of the drug that you you, you give the patient, the, the less likely you the side effect. So yeah, the the lower uh, concentration of drug that you can give to kill off the tumor cells without affecting obviously the normal cells, right. uh, the better. Uh, because you, you obviously don't want, you know, going through cancer treatment is very tough on the body. If you can, the lower concentration you can give of a given drug and have a um, sustained and uh, su- sufficient effect, the better. I'm The blocking... Or deletion of the other protein is what bothers me about it. Because I'm generally suspicious of any sort of procedure or medication that stops the body from doing something it's supposed to do naturally anyway. Okay, so, so the deletion is a tool. It's an, a research tool. to show. They're showing the basic biology. You delete this, this happens. Right. The drug is to inhibit. So you will, you will need a certain level of EGFR expression. In your, in your regular cells. Mm-hmm. But if you inhibit it, because in these cells it's too, too active, if you knock that down, you're having your beneficial effect. Now, ideally, you're having an effect that will kill off these cells, the kill off the cancer cells, but Just, not kill off the normal cells. I think, does, does the article include anything about long-term monitoring? Like, how long has this treatment been So this treatment has, has not been used in humans on KRAS-positive patients. In the mice, though. In the mice, uh, the mice still uh, succumb to the tumors. But they so just survive you, you a lot longer. You said the one got 60 days. Like so 60 days long. So the, the average uh, lifespan extension mm-hmm. on this drug was 60 days. Sorry. The average lifespan expe- extension when you knocked out the gene was 60 days longer. Longer, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. So, uh, rather than 172 days. Yeah. Yeah. So what happened in those 60 days? Like what ripple effects did the did the drug have so they didn't talk about uh side effects and this they weren't drug and this was a genetic knockout that they'd done uh they didn't talk about side effects on the animals they're look they're specifically looking at the tumor volume 
increase and uh, they're looking at um, basically when it gets to a certain volume it's unethical to keep the mice alive so they uh, determine that as the end point. Well I don't mean to sound cynical but side effects are always where they fuck you. <laughs> well this, so this drug Afatinib is already FDA approved mm-hmm. which is one of the very significant things about this study. But uh, So they tried these the reason afatinib is interesting is that the other drugs, when a resistance mut- a specific mu- resistance mutation that commonly develops develops, mm-hmm. the other drugs are useless. However, this drug still works with that resistance mutation. So they looked in patient-derived tumor xenografts, which is basically where you take patient tumor sample, you uh, you passage it, you put it into mice to develop patient-specific tumors in those mice and then treating with that drug. And they found, again, cell proliferation lo- was lower, so cell division was lower, the tumor volume was lower, and more, most importantly, the mice lived sig- significantly longer. So what they showed then was that actually uh, this inhibitor, the reason it worked so well is it didn't just target this one pulp, pulp part of the pathway, this EGFR protein. It showed that this compensatory mechanism that exists to escape the inhibition where the rest of the pathway comes up regardless Mm -hmm. it's also interfering at that level of the pathway this same drug and that is why it's providing an effect that you don't see with the other drugs so that's that's the study and the take-home points are kras was thought to be in a constantly switched on state that doesn't actually appear to be the case this other protein is influencing its activity. Uh, they, they find that, you know, when you get rid of the other protein, downstream effects of this KRAS are, are lessened. Mm-hmm. They found that genetically deleting that protein to EGFR lowers the activity of this first protein and uh, reduces tumor growth. They found that they can inhibit it pharmacologically with this drug that's already FDA approved and prolonged survival in mice with these tumors because it targets multiple points in the pathway. So the other drugs, the other EGFR inhibitors have been tried in the clinic on KRAS mutated patients and they have not worked. But afatinib at this point has not been trialed. And this study suggests that it will work in the future. Now this is just done, this is just done in mice, but there is this suggestion and another group published at exactly the same time saying targeting multiple points in the pathway is the key to success here so this drug actually can enter a space where no one has had really any success before and so that is the reason it's an important study okay so hope this was a difficult one i chose a difficult one because you've been on the show before right and i wanted to test your metal uh alan oh no uh (laughs) But how well did you take in? How well was I communicating the science to you? What do you think you can say back to me about that study that, is, that I've just explained? Um, well, you, you presented it very well. I, I, I love your accent very much. I think you know that. <laughs> He's stalling for time here. Uh, yeah, I am. So you have, uh, what, you have KRAS, yeah. right? Um, which is... Uh, and then you have what was it, the the other uh, EF EG 
EGFR. EGFR. Now, originally, uh, it was believed that KRAS was just dividing uh, constantly. In uh, yes, when it's mutated in these tu- in, in in these lung cancers, exactly. yes, exactly in, in these. But it's actually uh, has is reliant on the second, the EDF. E, uh, EGFM, EGFR, EGFR, um, and uh, in in mice when they uh, when when scientists uh, cut uh, was it, cut off the yeah let's uh, say cut out cut off like yeah, get rid of the this yeah. EGFR uh, uh, mice lived from 172 days to 232 days on average. Um, uh, I think my takeaway would be sometimes to get not necessarily the human body because it still hasn't. You said it has not been done on humans yet. This uh, this particular this particular drug is used in the EGFR lung cancers, but it's not used in these KRAS cancers. It's mm. not been trialed there yet. Right. Yeah. Okay. So it's not been tested on humans for this purpose. Yeah. Right. Uh, my takeaway would be sometimes to get people out of a gym, sometimes you need to set the fire alarm. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, even if it's a fake fire alarm, sometimes that's the only way to get people out of a room. And how is that relevant? By deleting the, uh, the EGFM, uh, sorry, EGFR proteins, you're causing the body to make other arrangements in a way. Okay. Yeah. So your the fire alarm is is the drug the deletion of the so of the proteins yeah uh, that you know that takes away the silence that you had before but it also causes a reaction in the occupants of the room i like that i like that uh and um the significance of it alan the significance of the study uh significant significance is um we have a, a type of cancer which, uh, on average, uh, what, what, uh, at the even the most extremes, uh, human beings can normally live about five years. And hopefully, if, if it, the extension is 172 to 232, um, on average, in, in mice would be, what, hopefully two or three more years. Um, and uh, that's, a, that's a really important to someone's life. Yeah, two years is a lot when you're counting the ones you have left. So KRAS uh, mutations make up about 15 to 20% of uh, lung cancers or lung adenocarcinomas that are uh, that present each year. Now, in the United States, there are around 234,000 uh, cases per year. So if this does go to trial, and if this works in trial, this will at least have a chance of extending the lifespan of around 50 to 60,000 people each year. Wow. So that is the that is the true significance of the study. Okay. Uh, now it won't be perfect. It it will likely be merely a life extension again as we were talking about with the reversal of aging. This is something that is likely to slow down the growth rather than uh, necessarily kill off all the cells that you're uh, that you have here, but it can be used. It will be used in combination with other agents. So hopefully, hopefully, it will extend uh, lifespan, which 
in the context of lung cancer is actually very important because the five-year survival rate is so low. Now, uh, thank you for, for your attempts, and I think you did, you did a fairly good, <laughs> fairly good job of at least taking in the very key information. But now it is time for you to flip the tables, or the, the giant singular table in this room, and present a fact to me that I might not have come across. So, first of all, uh, I'm going to go with uh, you, Alan. Do okay. you bring a fact for me today? Uh, I've got a, I've got a uh, sort of a combined factoid. So, our, uh, the Tennessee State Legislature uh, has two houses. You have the, uh, the Senate, which has 33, uh, three, 33 uh, state senators, and you have the lower house, which I'm running for, is 99. Uh, in the lower house, we have 25 Democrats. And the Senate... We currently have five Democrats in our state Senate, which means that the entire, uh, the entire uh, Democratic caucus in our state Senate could fit inside a Prius. Oh, that's good. I like that. <laughs> uh, and, and I think, that, you know, it's the, the, the most Democratic, you know, you know looking. It's the most Democratic vehicle to try and fit them inside. <laughs> it's either that or a Volvo. Or, no, actually, you know, you know, something American made. I think that's even better. <laughs> American-made and, and union-made. You might be able to use a smart car if you force him in. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great fact. Well, well, hopefully we can make it two Priuses in the uh, November election. Pri-I? Pri-I. Uh, now, Charlie, can you top that, uh, that eco- ecologically sound fact? I, uh, I can't top the the perspective that it provides, but I can tell you one of my favorite facts. Uh, the chemical that is used in uh, special effects, uh, maybe most memorably in the movie Aliens, uh, on the Alien Queen, there's a clear liquid dripping off of her at all times. That chemical is called agar, uh, and it is the same chemical used in artificial ice cream in fast food milkshakes. Oh, there you go. It's also a uh, um, material I use in uh, doing my work every day. R- Really? Yeah, bacterial plates. You yeah, spread the you bacteria go. on agar. Yeah. Uh, if you uh, buy it from a special effects supply house, it is not called that. It's called ultra slime. Ultra slime. Yeah. I bet it's more expensive in the world of special effects. It's like it's one of the cheapest ways to do it. It's yeah, like, it's, it's like five bucks a tub. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you both for your great facts, and thank you both for coming on to talk all aspects of science with me today. Absolutely, Mark. As I do with all my guests, I give them a chance to talk about. Uh, what they want to plug. So, first of all, uh, Alan, where can we find the campaign? Uh, so, uh, we have our, our website, which is www.alancreasy.com. Uh, we have a Facebook, uh, facebook.com backslash, save, uh, excuse me, serve the 901. Uh, our Twitter handle is the same, serve the 901. And our Instagram is the same, serve the 901. Serve the 901. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, Charlie, you may have served the 901 in the restaurant context, but what can we? What can you plug for me today? Uh, most of what I have to plug is far outside the 901, which is an area code, by the way. I don't want people to listen to this and think that there were 900 people and one guy just showed up and started <laughs> fucking everything up. But I will be outside the 901 uh, next July 5th through the 8th. I will be at Looney's Comedy Corner in Colorado Springs. Uh, I will be... Featuring at the Grove in, oh, God damn it, an Arkansas town, not Little Rock. Bloomington, is that? 
I, I don't know. No. That's it. See, it? that's Indiana. It's, oh, uh, Bentonville, Arkansas. Uh, I'll be in uh, Bentonville, Arkansas at the Grove Comedy Club. With 901 uh, people. Participants, well, yeah. yeah. Nine, an audience of 901. You don't go on stage unless there's 901. Yeah, I'll wait as long as it takes, people. Uh, and then I will be headlining in Cincinnati, Ohio at Go Bananas Comedy Club, August 9th through the 11th. Great. Well, once again, thank you very much. It's been wonderful having you on. Thank you, Mark. And thank you so much. Good night. Dr. Heckle is an OAM Network production recorded at the Crosstown Concourse in Memphis, Tennessee. Your host was Mark Brimble. Guests were Alan Creasy and Charlie McMullen. The show is produced by Mark Brimble, Gilworth, and Hunter Sandlin. Special thanks to John Miller and Carla Worth. If you have any questions, comments, or would like to get in touch about appearing on the show or topics you'd like us to cover, email us at drhecklepod at gmail.com. 